0: Love, talk, radio. Well,
1: hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer's Speaks Resource Website, Blog, and Radio. My passion is to educate the world about Alzheimer's and memory loss, and that came to me through my 30-year journey with my mother's dementia, for those of you that are new to our show, I just want to give you a brief introduction to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. Our goal here is to give voice to those afflicted with memory loss and empower them to live purpose-filled lives. And that in, that includes their care partners as well, both family and professional. We want to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real everyday life stories of living with Alzheimer's to the, to, the, to the I can't talk today. Alzheimer's disease. Rick Phelps is our channel expert living with Alzheimer's. And Rick was diagnosed with early onset um, Alzheimer's disease in June of 2010. And he's the founder of Memory People on Facebook. And Rick is with us today. So Rick, if you want to say hello and give a shout out to Memory People.
0: Hello, Lori. I'm glad to be here today. and I'm looking forward to uh, learning about your guests. This will be an exciting program, I'm sure.
1: Wonderful. Well, thanks so much. Rick will probably bounce in and out of the program with some questions as we we go through. And I also want to point out to you that on our homepage, you can find links to contact both myself and Rick, so feel free to do that. We also always encourage, if you have any questions or comments, if you are listening via your computer, you can use the chat box to go ahead and write in a question or comment and I will be monitoring those as the program goes along. If you would like to call in and ask a question online, um, you can dial 714-364-4757. That's 714-364-4757. And we would love to, would love to engage you and hear what it is you, um, what you think. We also encourage you to like us and tweet us and, and help us raise awareness about the program because we are we are new and we are growing and we would love to have your support. Our guest today, I'm very excited to have back with us. Mark Wortman is the Executive Director of Alzheimer's um, Disease International. And he was on the program earlier this year, but we had some problems. We were doing it uh, via Skype and just didn't have a good connection. So we decided to try landlines this time and, uh, and uh, have a better connection so that people could really interact and hear more what is going on on a global basis with Alzheimer's disease. Mark was born in the Netherlands, and he studied law and art. He's been an entrepreneur in the retail area for 15 years and a member of parliament uh, over in the Netherlands. He became executive director of Alzheimer's Netherlands in 2000, and from 2002 to 2005, he chaired the Dutch Fundraising Association, and he continues to be vice president of the European Fundraising Association. Mark speaks at many international conferences on fundraising, campaigning, raising awareness, public policy, and ethical issues. In 2006, he joined Alzheimer's Disease International as Executive Director. His main responsibilities are governing and management of staff, um, um, external relations, public policy, annual conferences, and fundraising. Uh, Now, just a little bit about Alzheimer's Disease International, which is known to many as ADI. It is an international federation of 76 Alzheimer's associations around the world um, in an official relation with the World Health Organization. Each member is the Alzheimer's Association in their country who support people with dementia and their families. And ADI's vision is to improve the quality of life for people with dementia and their families throughout the world so mark i want to again welcome you to the show how are you doing today
2: yeah i'm fine thank you very excited to to be part of this show
1: well good we're gonna we're just gonna kind of run through it one more time here and and i think we've got a nice clear line so i think it will be much easier for people to understand our conversation can you start us off by just telling people a little bit of your own personal background have you ever personally been been touched by Alzheimer's disease or dementia with family or uh, or friends?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm in my early 50s, so it's it's hardly possible. Only you have a very very small family that you don't don't have personal experience. And uh, my my wife's grandmother had uh, maybe Alzheimer's or another form of dementia in her late life. Um. I have an aunt at the moment who's living with dementia, and and we had a good friend who was not a family member, but someone we regularly visited who developed Alzheimer's in, I think some 20 years ago, and by that time, I didn't know enough about the disease, and looking back now, I think I could have done a better job in understanding and engaging with her.
1: Okay. So... Now, did you, um, you know, I find it interesting that out of all the jobs in the world, um, you you kind of were drawn into uh, the Alzheimer's. Was that via through your fundraising um, expertise, or how did no, that No, really-
2: no, that was uh, that was not because I was not well. I was doing some work as a volunteer in several NGOs, and uh, I was not in the national parliament, but in the provincial parliament, which is a part-time job. Um, so yeah, I've done a lot of work with uh, with uh, local societies on on different age issues. And when I got to my 40s and and decided I want to do something else than be in retail for the rest of my life, I came in touch with one of the board members of Alzheimer Netherlands who told me there is a, we we look, we're looking for a new director, uh, maybe uh, with your broad background. It, It's a good job for you. So I applied to the job, and I got it. And I've done a little bit of fundraising in my local community for the school where my children were learning and for the local local organization. So I was not very experienced when I started this. But it mainly came through the work for Alzheimer's Netherlands.
1: Okay. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about – I just gave people a a brief glimpse of – of what Alzheimer's Disease International is about, but can you really tell us, you know, when did it start, how was it created, give us a little bit of history about it. Yeah,
2: sure. Uh, It started in 1984 with a meeting in Washington, D.C., which was convened by uh, Jerry Stone who also founded the Alzheimer's Association. Uh, He was wondering if, by the time, there was very little knowledge in the U.S., and he thought maybe it's better in some other parts of the world. So he invited people from Alzheimer's associations and societies from Canada, Australia, the U.K., and someone from Belgium, and they had an initial meeting and then found out that no one knows much about no knew much about the disease by the time there were very little resources there were no organizations and they decided that they should work together and try and exchange information and uh, support each other um, and that has so it, it was at a quite early stage for many of the of the associations that they started to work internationally. Probably because there was so little knowledge and so so few resources, and I think the first meeting had, the first conference had 40 attendees, and now it's it's 1,000 or 1,500 or more every year.
1: Wow, and, that's fantastic!
2: Yeah, and step by step in the years after, other countries joined um, first from Europe and then from um, Latin America and Asia, and now more recently also from. Africa and the Middle East, and we have quite a good coverage around the world.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Do you see much difference in terms of how people are dealing with the disease from country to country?
2: Well, to be honest, it's, uh, there are more similarities than differences. I think everyone has to deal with the fact that the disease is not not well understood, so people don't understand the early signs. Um, and the public health systems are not fit for it. Only specialists like neurologists or psychiatrists who are specialized in this area know more about it, but uh, the primary healthcare people are not so aware, although it's changing in the last five to ten years. Um, there, there are still large parts of the world with, where there is a huge stigma, where people... Don't want to talk, or don't um, are afraid to talk about it because they fear that the fa- family can be stigmatized or the person with the disease. Well, um, on the other hand, uh, many people are active in uh, in reaching out to the public. There are many local initiatives, uh, national initiatives, and, and there is a good relationship between the organizations, not only worldwide but also in several regions. So in Europe and in Asia, and in Latin America, there are also regional meetings with the countries that are neighboring each other. Um, and I think everyone has the objective to raise awareness, to, get, to reach a better understanding, um, to get things done in the healthcare system like treatments reimbursed and uh, services developed for support groups. and services like daycare centers, Uh, but in some countries the the resources are very limited, and and sometimes it's only the the Alzheimer's Association who is setting up some support services and daycare and and a telephone helpline, and that's all there is in a country.
1: Okay, interesting. Do you find that a lot of what we're doing around the world can be shared and utilized and, and implemented?
2: Yeah, um, sure, yeah.
1: Okay. I guess that's, that's what I see, you know, and I've been kind of amazed between the radio show and the blog of the international reach, and I I really, too, have been quite surprised at just all the similarities and the struggles, um, and yet the, the passion of people trying to make change and work collaboratively together, I just find it so exciting and um, really Just a positive wave of energy of people connecting around the world, um, realizing that they're not alone and we really aren't all that different. Um, Our circumstances may be different, um, but for the most part, you know, we're all just trying to live a life and um, and appreciate whatever life that is, you know, that we that we've come to have. Can you tell us um, maybe outline for our audience and myself your Kind of top um, goals that you have um, for ADI and what you're looking at doing over the next, uh, you know, short term or long term plan.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, we have a we have a very simple three main objectives. So the first is to raise awareness about Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. We we, we cover all the dementias. Um, and in some, some countries, they call everything Alzheimer's. In other countries, they more call it dementia, and then they say this is Alzheimer's type, or this is Lewy body dementia or vascular. Um, so to raise awareness is, is one of our main objectives, then to uh, strengthen the Alzheimer's associations and exchange information, like you just said. And the third thing is to um, to make dementia a global health priority in for governments and policy makers. Uh, we try to influence the, the international organizations like the World Health Organization, United Nations, um, to do that, and then we hope that that will have, a, have an effect on countries, on country governments, so that they look into it as well and develop their own policies.
1: Okay. Do you find that the countries are are really looking at working together um, for a global cause, or do you still see them being kind of siloed? Um, The reason I ask that, to me, I see here in the U.S. is that we're very siloed or segregated in terms of, you know, if it's a foundation or if it's an organization or whatever it is, everybody kind of... You know, wraps their arms around what they're doing, and they're a little nervous that the other guy might take something of theirs. Um, there, there really seems to be a an ownership. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that's just my personal um, view of what I see here in the U.S. But I know that a lot of others um, feel that same way. Do you see that around the world, or do you see those arms kind of opening up, saying, "Let's, let's just do this together"?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I see a bit of both. Um, Sometimes organizations are founded by very passionate people, and um, they want to to steer it themselves. They want to be in the lead. And then you see sometimes a second organization coming, and then they don't work together. On the other hand, I also see different um, solutions where there's one organization, or there are two or three, but then they sort of divide up the work. Like the one is more looking at the at the scientific work and the other one is more looking at the care and services.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, around uh, Across the borders, um, of course, if you talk to your colleagues in other countries, there is not some sort of competence between them because they have their, their own constituents. So that's probably easier to work together if you have, if you look at other countries and what you can learn from them, and what, what we see is that um, many programs have really spread around the world. So, for instance, a memory walk that started in the United States in 1989 that's now done all over the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but also um, care formulas like person-centered care is something that is. is more and more spread around the world, and people see the benefits from it. Or a, a model like the Alzheimer Café, what started in the Netherlands, is now taken over in many other countries. So people are are open to learn from each other. That's what is clear to me. But if you look at organizations that need to work together, that's sometimes difficult. But that's not only in the Alzheimer world. I think it's a very very human thing.
1: Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I just uh, – someone emailed me the other day a really interesting site, and I have not had time to totally go over it, but it's called the Collective Action Lab. And it looks like it's sponsored with uh, – I'm in Minnesota here um, – by the Minnesota uh, Action Plan, you know, for Alzheimer's disease and and one of our schools. But it looks like they're really trying to pull – Um, projects and partners together, and I've got to call into them to learn more about it. But if anyone's interested in taking a look at that, it's www.collectiveactionlab, And uh, let me know your thoughts. But I I think that that is uh, a very interesting concept. Now, your site um, has just kind of a, a ton of information on it. And one thing that I want to make sure that we do before uh, I forget, is I'd like you to talk a little bit about your upcoming conference because I think that's just such a key piece. So can you tell people about the ADI conference coming up? Uh, yeah. When it is? And
2: sure. Uh, so the conference is, is an annual event, and we rotate around the world. So last year we were in Canada. This year we will be in London, and next year we'll be in Taiwan. So it's really moving from continents to others, and the London conference is in March. It will start on the 7th in the evening, 7 March until the 10th, and um, we have a variety of topics during the conference, so the, there is an overview on the main medical um, issues, the, is there any news in research, any advances, any new new things to know. And then the second stream of the conference is in care, so the non-medical issues, what is the best care we can p- give people at home or in nursing homes or in daycare centers. And many examples are presented of solutions that are found. And then the third part of the conference is what we could call the policy work, so what is happening in, um, in the, the policy area, what are governance doing? Are countries, new countries with national Alzheimer's plans And how do they look like But also uh, a conversation about How do we talk about the disease in the media And does that enhance stigma Or does it make it easier for people to talk about Maybe the way we talk about it is not always good There will be an interesting debate With some people from uh, the media around that Um and then we also uh, show the work of Alzheimer associations worldwide and make sure that everyone can learn what they're doing and take some good, good examples home. So it's a very exciting event, and it's it's different from other conferences because the, the variety of people attending. I think it's the only conference, at least international conference, where people with dementia themselves take part and their caregivers, but also researchers, medical professionals, care professionals and policy makers, and then the last but not least, the staff of staff and volunteers of Alzheimer associations.
1: Well, I was I was waiting to hear a big woo woo from Rick over there because that's a whole lot uh, Rick Rick is very strong about finding uh, a voice in terms of um, being able to speak at conferences and having people with um, dementia actually talk, and so that's so nice that you've incorporated that into your conference, and I think more and more conferences are starting to to see the value in that. Um, now, you had also mentioned um, the, the policy making with the media, and I just find that really so interesting and um, very strong in terms of how is this disease perceived, so I give you kudos um, for that. We do have a question from somebody in our audience, and um, Marcus is uh, saying he's not going to be able to make the London conference, but is there any way to hear the conference? Will it be recorded or videotaped where people could uh, see it afterwards?
2: Yeah, we're working on that. What we always do is put, uh, if there is a PowerPoint presentation and the speaker is happy to do that, that we put the PowerPoints online, Uh, but that's only a summary, of course. But sometimes it gives a good good insight we're We're still talking to um a company that might tape some of the sessions so that we could put it on our website but of course, there are costs involved and in these kind of things, London is not the cheapest place in the world okay. Okay. Um, yeah but i will I will make sure that that we that we look at that and Probably not not everything, but that we can tape some of the main sessions and that they will be uh, available on the ADI website, which is www.alz.co.uk.
1: Okay, wonderful. Now, you also have a, a World Alzheimer's Day that you celebrate. And can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, that's one of the main... Ways that we raise awareness, so it's a, it's an important uh, event, and actually it's uh, it's the day of 21 September, so the the beginning of autumn every year, but we are in a process of leveraging to to a World Alzheimer's Month and make it the whole the whole month of September, mainly because there are now so many activities around this day that it's not possible to do it all in one day, and and we think it's. Um, the disease is so, so huge that we deserve a month to, to talk about it. And, Hi, I, mm-hmm. yeah? sure, go ahead, go
1: ahead Mark. I'm sorry.
2: No, and uh, what we do as ADI is we, we agreed on this day with the World Health, Health Organization years ago, and we often we put together some information, some basic information and then a theme and materials that our members can use, but it's a very decentralized Um, approach, so every country can do its own activities, and even within a country, it's often the the regional or the local groups that uh, set up activities, which can be uh, a memory walk or a public lecture, or uh, sometimes it's something very nice, like in in my home country, the Netherlands, there's a lot of water, so many local uh, associations organize a boat trip with the people with dementia and their families. Just to take them out for half a day. Um, so it's a variety of things. It's uh, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's more serious. Uh, in many countries, there is there are efforts to reach out to the media and do a press release or the launch of a report. And actually, ADI in the last three years uh, launched um, a World Alzheimer Report on World Alzheimer's Day, with a topic that we think is uh, is relevant for the whole world.
1: Yeah, I I find it a a little bit confusing in terms of everybody has their own days and stuff. And so even for a professional (laughs) who's in the industry, it's hard to keep track of all the days. So I like the idea of having a month. And if everybody can pool in that month and then, uh, you know, if they're worried about trying to fundraise, you know, their money's going to their their cause or something, still doing that. But um, I think for the general public, it gets really confusing why there's so many days. Um, that are um, designated, and what's the differentiation uh, factor, you know, between them? Um, now, another thing that I wanted to talk about because uh, in a couple of weeks I'm going to have Dr. Richard Taylor and Laura Bromley on, and they have worked with ADI and yourself on an I will I can program. And can you give people just a little information on? what that program is all about, and maybe how did that come to be? How did you get to work with with Richard and Laura on this project?
2: Yeah, it's, it's I can, I will, not the other way around.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, there was, um, well, at last year's conference in Toronto in March 2011, we had a meeting, a breakfast meeting with all the people with dementia who were there and some other people who were interested um although it was at 7 a.m. to my surprise the room was filled with 25 people from around the world even after the it was a, even although it was the last day of the conference so they were very motivated and they were just asking or talking about how can we how can we improve the input from people with dementia and people with Alzheimer's to to the global movement and how can we exchange ideas and What came out of this is that Richard and Laura really developed this idea of a website where you have um, a sort of library with several sections where people can post their own ideas or their own stories, and it's made available through the ADI website, so it's a sort of subsection on the website that has uh, several pages. And you can enter it very easily, and then you can post your own uh, your own message.
1: Well, that's that's fantastic. Is it interactive, so if people can uh, chat back and forth, or is it just more of a posting? Um, to it's share?
2: it's more of a posting, but there is some some interactivity possible. And if there is a need to to do more of that, we can of course facilitate.
1: Okay. Well, and thank you for correcting me on that, uh, on the title. I just changed that for the radio show (laughs) coming up because apparently I wrote that down down wrong. So we'll be having them on February 7th um, to talk in in more detail about that program. Um, Are there some other things that you'd like to share with us about uh, your your global vision? Is is there any, you know, major project that's coming up that you – would like to talk about or ideas that you've been tossing
2: around? Yeah, yeah, there are a number of things that I could mention. Um, I think very recently um, we had some, some good steps forward in the international bodies and in international organizations. And I know that in the United States people are not so thrilled about that and they feel, they feel they can solve their own problems but in in many other countries with less resources with small departments of health it's often the world health organization that sets the agenda mm-hmm. so if they if they list alzheimer's as a as a topic then countries will work on it and otherwise they don't especially in developing countries so therefore it's very important that we uh, that we make an effort and Last year in uh, September at the United Nations, there was a summit on the chronic diseases, the so-called non-communicable diseases. Mm -hmm. And when they started this process, they were looking at four main disease areas, which is cancer, diabetes, and heart and lung diseases, mainly because they share a lot of risk factors. But we thought that it would be good if you talk about chronic diseases, that Alzheimer's is part of that as well. So we advocated for for some inclusion, and in the the final document that was adopted by the meeting, which was all the heads of state, so it was really a high-level meeting, um, it was mentioned that Alzheimer's disease and mental health should be part of that as well. And recently, the World Health Organization, who got the task to, to work this out, to implement the results of the summit. Uh, started to to work on it, and what we see is that there is a better, um, there's more awareness over there, and that they are going to take it on their agenda as well. And I'm just back from a meeting in Geneva at the World Health Organization last week, and we really saw some interest there. And they will come up with a report in April of this year, a global report on dementia with recommendations to governments, So that's really a, a good step forward. Of course, it's only paper when the World Health Organization produces it, and then it needs to be um, implemented in the countries. They, they have to to do their own policies, but it's a real good pressure uh, uh, if it comes from the World Health, Health Organization.
1: Oh, that's, that's huge. I mean, that's just major, major project um, progress. Now, Rick Phelps has a comment, so I'm going to go ahead and pull Rick in. Rick, are you with us?
0: Yes, I am. Uh, Lori, I've, I'm so uh, – this gentleman, what he's talking about is, is so uplifting to hear, and I'm glad he is uh, – they're doing what they're doing. I'd just like to give him a, a rundown of what my feelings are here in the United States. When it comes to awareness, um, I have fought this battle of Alzheimer's for probably four or five years, and awareness, I try to bring it every day the best I can, and and to say the media or uh, some of these dementia organizations are bringing awareness is, is inept to, they're just, it's an understatement. Um, I've watched many telethons where they have an Alzheimer's patient sitting in a wheelchair about 85 years old in a nursing home and, and that's what the concept of people get from Alzheimer's. They think that's what it is and that's so far from the truth. And Also, I've spoken at yeah. many, uh, many symposiums that, that you know and, and support groups and I, I tell everyone, you know, uh, they want me to tell my story and, and when I tell my story, it's not my story, it's, it's the story of everyone that's fighting this disease. And I'll continue to do that, but the thing of it is, it, it seems to be falling on deaf ears. And when I say that, it's, it's every time an organization reaches out to me to speak, I, I'm more than happy to do that. It's just that nothing ever happens. I just can't figure that out. I went to Washington, D.C. this past year. My wife and I was there for three days. And the senators and congressmen I spoke to just sat there and and with a blank stare. You know, they just don't understand this disease. It's going to cost the uh, America about uh, they're figuring about two hundred. I hate to put a figure. It's like twenty billion dollars in the year twenty fifty, and it's going to it's actually going to crush our 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 society. You know, in, in debt. And when I tell these stories, um, when I see celebrities on TV talking about Alzheimer's, they they don't understand what the general, the the common person lives with. They've got two or three people taking care of their loved one. They don't have to struggle with the price of medications or or anything like that. Uh, I just, it's so, so uh, aggravating to... uh, I really believe you can't get any better information about Alzheimer's than from a patient. I mean, I don't know any celebrity who knows anything about alzheimer's that's that's just my my feelings but uh and i'm I'm thankful for everything everybody, everybody's doing and have done, but it's just uh it seems to be falling on deaf ears a lot now that's here in the United States, and of course that's just my feelings,
1: yeah, sure. Well, and I think you know, with you know, Mark is talking. I mean, they're really pulling in um, not only the person with dementia, but the family members as well as you know the professional community. I had uh, one of your members, Mark uh, Salish, uh Mishra, from over in India, the president of Silver Innings Foundation, on the show, and it was so interesting talking to him and, and hearing his passion and the changes that he wants to make and. You know, he is, uh, you know, really doing some incredible things and is so thankful to be connected um, with your organization. Um, and, you know, again, with the whole social media base, um, how people are able to pull information together on a more economical basis and things, too, is just just incredible there. Um, now, we did have one other question here um, from Marcus. i got to find it again. He um, said, since the theme of the conference is science, fact, and fiction, do you think our plan to find an effective treatment for Alzheimer's by 2025 is an ambitious plan, or do you think it is realistic?
2: Okay. That's a good question, but I, I wanted to, to answer to Ricky first. Okay. Uh, I think what, what he said, what you said, Ricky, is very true. Um I think the best spokespeople for the disease are the people with the disease. So we we try to do that as much as we can. Uh, but it's only I think the last ten years that we really were able to do that. And in, in the in the mm-hmm. time before, it was mainly the medical professionals talking about it. So there there is some change change, and I see results from that. Even though, as you said, the media often. Uh, portrait someone of 85 years in a nursing home. It's exactly the same here at the BBC. If they have a little item on dementia, then you see an old person sitting in a chair doing nothing. And that's not a reality. Uh, Most people with the disease live at home, are still able to do some day-to-day things, maybe not as much as when they were young, but they are able to do a lot of things. And I think it's very important that we show that to, to everyone and that you keep trying to speak out wherever you can but in the u.s. there is some change because a few years ago the government didn't want to talk about it at all and now they're talking about a national Alzheimer plan the so-called NEPA act is going to be launched this year so that I think that's a step forward it's not enough but it's a first step
0: well, I, I agree, Mark. It is the stuff, and, and like I said, I'm not being uh, disingenuous. This is just how I see it from a patient's perspective. It's a uh, just like Marcus said. You know, do you think they'll find a cure in the year 2025? I'm a I'm a realist, and and I'm 57 years old, and I believe that uh, in my lifetime, this is not going to happen. I mean, I if they come out with a cure tomorrow, it would probably be 20 years before it trickled down to patients because the FDA and and things like that, but uh, I don't know. It's just a tough disease, and it's a tough thing. Uh, of course, you know all of this, but it's it's a hard, hard thing to battle. I'm a, I can get by daily, pretty much on my own. Yeah. But that's going to change. You know, it's it's changed in the last year, and it's going to continue to change. And and like you said, uh, the the photo of Alzheimer's is not an 85 year old person sitting in a wheelchair. That that indeed needs to be changed. I I agree with you wholeheartedly.
2: Yeah, okay, um, and, and, and because uh, because we will not find a cure soon and, and it's not easy, it's also important not only to look at the medical research but also at the social research and how can we improve the day-to-day life for people with dementia who have the disease now. And I think in all our efforts, we need to have a balance between those two. But now looking at the question of Marcus, um I don't know if there will be an effective treatment by 2025. Um, I'm slightly optimistic that we will be able to find something, but maybe it's it's like with other difficult diseases like cancer and diabetes, that it's not just one pill that solves everything, but that there are step-by-step that we are able to, to slow down the progression of disease and maybe stop the progression of the disease and then also look into the risk factors better and find ways to prevent the disease in earlier stage. I think that's all possible, but because we don't fully understand the working of the brain, it's not so easy to find this cure. And maybe we have to, um, to realize that every person is different and that this disease is not just one single thing, but that it has has varieties, and that it may differ from person to person. Um, so, in the future, I expect the, a more personalized approach, um, looking at someone's genes, and then looking for a treatment that fits with with the genetic factors. But that's all quite new science, and we're not very experienced in it. It's something from the last 10 years that is mainly developing in the laboratories, but not yet in practice. On the other hand, you never know, if, if many people do research, then they might find things that they don't expect. And we've seen from, from the example of cancer that was in the same position 30 years ago and everyone who got cancer died from it. Nowadays, sort of half of the people can be treated. And that's thanks to a large research effort that is done in the meantime. So we certainly need to continue with doing research and try to find a cure, but not forget the people with the disease now and also try to improve their quality of life.
1: You know, one of the things that you brought up was, you know, the the social model. Can you you speak to that a little bit more? Uh, What do you mean by social model, Mark? Because I think a lot of people don't understand the impact of that.
2: Yeah, well, what we... um, We have brought out a report last World Alzheimer's Day on the benefits of early diagnosis and intervention. And what we found is that by reviewing a lot of studies, so looking at thousands of studies that were done for psychological treatments or um, like, for instance, a cognitive stimulation program or the support of people with dementia or support groups for caregivers, that some of these... uh, Approaches really make a difference to people and and there is research proof on that there is research evidence so these people are followed for some time and then compared to other people who didn't get this treatment, this social what I call social treatment or social intervention and you can see that they benefited for instance, that the caregivers get less in depression or that the person with dementia has a better functioning after taking part in in some sessions of cognitive stimulation. Um, But this is not very well known, not to the people with the disease, neither to the doctors. And there's not so much about it in the media. So we think um, there is really an opportunity to improve that.
1: Okay. And and I I totally agree. I I, um, personally am launching a a new program here. It will be taking off Um, because it's February 8th we're launching it called Shifting Your Dementia Care Culture. And and I call it a social acceptance model because I think that's one of the biggest problems is the denial and and the lack of of awareness and talking about this disease. And the program is going to be uh, basically a webinar series that will train staff, family, and the general public all in the same day um, to get them on the same page, and we're going to do 28 modules in seven months to try to shift Wisconsin's dementia care culture. And it's all what I call utilizing emotional-based training. I think so much, uh, and again, this is my personal take. So much of what we have done has been on a clinical basis in terms of how to deliver a task or how to analyze this disease and. You know, I think the research is fine for a cure, but what I keep hearing and what I keep seeing and what I have felt for 30 years with my mom is how do I live with this disease? How do I accept it? How do I incorporate it in my life so it does not take over? So it's not the only thing that I that I am. Um, and again, I'm not the patient that has it, but my mom was, and I watched that, and I you know, and I watched it even for myself as a caregiver. People looking at poor Lori, your mom's got Alzheimer's disease. And I truly, I look at it as a gift. It has enhanced my life on so many levels because of the things it's taught me. And so the the model that I'm going to be bringing forward that I actually want to bring um, around to all the states and different countries, if it's embraced, is really getting people to shift their heart sets, to shift their minds because we all know we shouldn't smoke, you know, cancer. You know, we're going to get lung cancer and stuff, but until it touches us on a heart-self basis, something in our soul, we don't make that shift and we don't appreciate the statistics. And I think that that's one of the things that's missing. I've seen great leaps and bounds in terms of the advertising modules and even changing the face to the younger onset, um, but I think we have to really, especially in the U.S. here, get away from this fear-based model and get one to embrace that this is another disease that isn't going away and hopefully someday we'll find a cure. But much like diabetes and heart disease and cancer, it's something we have to learn to live with. And we've got to, you know, we can't keep just shoving it under the rug. And I think that that's extremely, um, extremely important as we move forward um, as a world to be able to embrace that and Talk openly and honestly and um, not be shunned, you know, by it. And I, and I see that. You know, I brought the, the Memory Cafe over to the U.S. here this summer, which was graciously, you know, given to me um, from the U.K. And what people keep saying over and over when they come to the meeting is, thank you for giving me a safe place where I can feel normal again, where I can have friends, where I can engage. And I think that's such a huge piece that people, you know, we're we're not focusing, in my opinion, enough on that piece Mm. of helping people live life. Um, Yeah,
2: I I agree with that, Nori.
1: um, Now, you have um, a a campaign you're going to be kicking off in um, 2012 here, uh, that you had told me that was going to kind of change the face of dementia. Can you tell us a little bit more about that program?
2: Yeah, uh, it, it's still in in development, and um, but what we see in it, it's basically the same as Ricky said, that the way that dementia is perceived in the public and in the media is always so negative, uh, is only about what people have lost and what they can't do anymore, and that there is no cure. And on, on the other hand, when we talk to people with dementia and, and work with them, we see how much they can still do, and how how they want to be involved. And like Richard Taylor, we, we are talking to uh, later in this program in a few weeks. He's okay. very active in making presentations and involved in all kinds of things. And I know many many people like him, so. We believe that it's good if we can if we can really change this perception into a more positive um, perception, into more inclusive, to be more inclusive and keep people with dementia with us in the society as as much as possible. And we are, we are at the moment we're looking at a campaign um, uh, to to express that to find a trigger that makes it possible to 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 trigger people to to think different to make some sort of paradigm sh- paradigm shift um, I can't tell you yet how because it's the work the the creative people are working on it now. I think we will lift the first tip on the conference in March and then we aim to start it later in the year and to pilot in a few countries in the world to see if we can have one uh, one single campaign uh, that fits for the whole world and and you can think of something like what was done for breast cancer with a pink ribbon we mm-hmm. want to do something like that for alzheimers but it will be different than that it's not it's not going to be something similar because the disease is different but something that unites the whole world in a thought of let's make the diff- let's look at it differently
1: I think that'll be exciting, and that uh, you know when you're, yeah. when you're ready to launch that, let me know because I'd love to have you back sure. on so yeah. we could hear yeah. more about that. Because I, I, you know, I I think that there's absolutely no reason that you can't get a, a campaign um, established that works everywhere. There's just too many commonalities for it not to. And You know, what I see, too, a lot, and I don't know if you're seeing it in other countries, but I see it here in the U.S. quite a bit, is um, the general public is really starting to question more and more what some of our associations and foundations are doing um, in terms of drive. And so we're seeing more and more people, especially um, with early onset, like Rick, like uh, Dr. Richard Taylor, like Norms McNamara, really forging ahead and, and giving a new voice and elevating things and this kind of a grassroots um, gathering around them in terms of support to make change and to not get um, so tied up bureaucratically. Um, and that's one of the things that I've been amazed with. Over there, from from my eyes, and again, it's been very limited, but how quickly you guys can get things done in comparison to what it, you know, how tied up and knots we get over here in the politics of things in the U.S. Um, mm. and, and maybe you don't view it the same, but from my eyes, I've just been shocked at how fast some things have gotten up and running over there. Um, you know, it's just mentioned, and within a couple of months, it's, boom, it's out the door. And yeah. it, is that pretty typical?
2: Well, um, it surprised me as well, but um one of our advantages is that we are a small organization, so we don't have a lot of bureaucracy, we have a limited number of people working here, and we can we can act quickly uh but of course, we need approval from our board and from our member organizations
0: mm-hmm.
2: but it's uh it's a large network, and what we want to create with this campaign is not not just a campaign but a movement. So it needs to be something that can reach out to everyone who wants to be involved, like yourself, like uh, people like Ricky and, and everyone else in the world who wants to speak out. Um, ideally, we would give them the tools to do that and to do that in a united way so that you can see, hey, this is not only happening here in Minnesota, but it's in the whole of North America, but it's the same as happening in India and in Australia. That would be very exciting. Um So, yeah, I think we have an advantage that we're not too big, that we don't have much money, so we have to be smart and um, use what we have and create a network that that helps us. And that's how we influence the United Nations as well, by going out to our member countries and everyone to try try to reach out to their own politicians who were at the UN or who were at the Ministry of Health, uh, including the U.S., by the way. So the U.S. has been... Very helpful in this as well, and uh, that made it happen.
1: Wonderful. Now, how does you know? What does it take to become a member of your association? Can you or your organization? Can you can you tell us a, a little bit? Yeah, about you them?
2: you can't be a member as such because the members are the national associations.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: so we only have 76 members. Uh, you can become a supporter of ADI. Uh, you can easily get on our mailing list. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: and then we keep you informed. Uh, you don't have to do anything for that. Just give us your email address. Okay. Um,
0: and that and can ho- be done
2: through the website, and um, or maybe if people want to know more, they can send it to you, and then you can collect the uh, email addresses and send them to me.
1: Okay. Now, what about can the general public go to your conference, or is it just four yeah. members only?
2: No, everyone can go
1: yeah. okay okay and then as, as far as um your you know your speakers and your i I just can't even imagine because it's so global what a huge process that must be to to pick um if you've got people submitting worldwide in trying to come up with a, a plan there, that's got to be just a daunting task in and of itself. Um, but I've heard just such marvelous, marvelous com- uh, comments from people who have gone to your conference. Um, you know, how how well done it is. And, um, and, and I've also been really trying to spread the word because I'm shocked at how many professionals here in the U.S. Um, don't know about ADI either. And so um, I always try to Mention you guys any any chance I get um, mm-hmm. to get them over, and, and some of our researchers here um, aren't even aware of you, and, and that just shocked me. Um, but it's again here in the U.S., everyone kind of thinks the Alzheimer's Association. We really have you know our, our minds don't go globally, and so I'm I'm thrilled you know that I've gotten to know your you and your organization um, because I think we can do so much more together. Um, yeah. with that um, as a whole is there anything else that you wanted to mention
2: to us and no well just for your understanding the Alzheimer's Association is a member of ADI they are mm-hmm. by far the largest member and they support us in what we do okay so Wonderful. I'm, I'm very positive about that but uh, that means that we reach out to a few people and not to the whole of the country of course that depends on, on more than that and one typical thing with America is I think only 30% of your population has a passport so many people don't go abroad because your country is so big uh, well
1: that's interesting I didn't know that statistic so uh, Rick do you have any any questions that you'd like to ask Mark before we let him go uh,
0: no I don't worry but I sure appreciate uh, uh, listening to what he had to say and, and um, I'm a firm believer that Hopefully they're gonna they're gonna do good things in the, in the in the near future here. Um, if there's anything I could ever do to uh, to help them bring awareness, I would uh, certainly be on board with that. That's that's the my a number one goal.
1: Wonderful. Well, Mark, again, I thank you so much for spending time with us. And if you can just tell our audience one more time about your conference and then um, your website, so if they want to get on your mailing list or um, just look at that I I will, I can <laughs> um, portion with uh, Dr. Taylor and uh, Laura. Uh, that might be of interest to them, along with many other things on your site.
2: Yeah. Do you want me to say the dates again and the website? Please,
1: please, if you want. Yeah,
2: worry. so the dates of the conference are 7 to 10 March 2012, and the ADI website is www.alz.co.uk and on the home page you find uh, all kind of issues, and then you can click further down the road. And, and one of the things you can click on the home page is the I, c- I can, I will page, <coughs> and then you will find, uh, you can learn how to, to post things on that website.
1: Okay, wonderful. And I don't think we have any other questions from our listeners, but I'll just look over here real quick again. And, again, thank you so much for your time with us, Mark. And, and Mark is on Facebook as well. If you want to connect with him there, you can do that as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I look forward to having you back on the show when you're ready to announce uh, okay.
2: your, your Let's big gratitude
1: there. Okay. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much, Yeah. Wonderful.
2: Okay. okay.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. Um, Rick, I would love you to stand. And um, we haven't really had a chance to talk a whole lot lately. Can you tell us what's new with memory people and what what all you're up to?
0: Well Lori, we're going we're going. We're going with leaps and bounds. Uh we're over fifteen hundred members now and it's just so exciting. We've we've added a couple more uh resource pages or spin off pages if you would. Uh one of them is a is a resource page. That's why that was in my mind. Uh it's it's very informative and, and one of our one of our good members, uh, Harry Urban, he's put he put together a uh, booklet, if you can, if you will, that will uh, walk people through all these uh, resources that people have posted on there, and it's, it's very informative. I'm I'm real happy the way that turned out. And then uh, let's see, the book that uh, me and Gary LeBlanc's been working on, we're looking okay. at going to the publisher here and probably about two weeks or maybe three weeks at top. So it's, it's coming along real well. I'm really excited about that. It's been a, it's been a long struggle. Um, as you know, me and folks, June sat down and talked about this because our lives are going to be out there in the open for everybody to see. And it's very, very, uh, personal, but, but we felt so strongly that this, that our story needed to be told. And, like I was telling Mark, a lot of people. Uh, when I see this on TV, it just drives me crazy because it, we're just not getting the Alzheimer's is not looked at the way it should be in my in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I see these telethons and and I'm not knocking any celebrities, and I appreciate what they do, but but they they don't understand, <laughs> you know, they don't they don't deal with not being able to afford medications or. Or having to quit their job to take care of their loved one, and 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 of course the bills keep coming in. Um, Phyllis, June, and I were we're just financially depleted by this disease. We had a nice little nest egg build up over the years. We both worked two full time jobs forever, and uh, but that's been that's been long gone. I I tell people all the time if if they think they have enough money to to fight this disease, they better. You better think again because it's it's astronomical, and we're not even yeah. talking about nursing homes yet. You can imagine, you know, what that's going to cost.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. It it is a struggle, and it's um, it, you know, it, it's recalibrating everything in your life, um, and finding, you know, what's important, and you know what what I found even with my mom is just, you know, you can get by on a lot less than you thought you could, or that you thought you wanted to. Um. And, but again, it's a, it's a process. I mean, for me, it's, it's been a gift, but it's taken me 30 years to get there too. <laughs> in terms of being able to switch my mindset, um, and accept, you know, what it is. And again, it's, it's not a spouse that I'm dealing with. It's my mom, which is very, very different, um, I'm sure than, than a spouse, uh, situation. So, um, I, I just, commend you for all you're doing and I'm very excited about your book coming up. I know it's been a a long um awaited process, um but it'll be it'll be something absolutely fantastic. Now you also have updated your website too, if I'm not mistaken. Um do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Oh, yeah, we're very excited about that. We actually just launched it about a month ago and uh what we did was we took uh all my videos I've been, as you know i've been doing a daily video since uh oh man way over a year now and uh it started out i was doing a, a journal on my computer well i found out real quick that didn't work because i would never remember to put in to write in it days at a time and then it, i wouldn't know what to write in it so that didn't work out so i sat down my computer one day and i just did a I did a uh, video of myself uh, talking about this disease, how it, how the struggles I go through daily and good days and bad days and things like that. Well, after about four or five days, um, I posted one I'm on Memory People, and it was so well-received, I just I started doing that regularly. Well, since that time, we've had uh, some Alzheimer units, nursing homes and things like that contact me, and they were interested in these videos also. So what we did, we... We package these up and uh, we put them on our new website that was just designed and, and uh, it's called whileistillcan.net and uh, when you go there, we offer a, uh, a free video, you know, a, a, a complimentary video, if you will, that people can see and, and actually what I do and talk about and things like that to, to bring awareness to this disease. This is more targeted to, like I said, Alzheimer units and, and uh, nursing homes, colleges, and even law enforcement. Um, a lot of times I noticed that even, even nursing colleges, people are studying to uh, be in the healthcare profession, a lot of times the only people they'll see with Alzheimer's is in a nursing home in the late stages, and I thought it was very important for them to see it in the early stage to understand this disease. So we packaged these up, and you can get a, uh, a year subscription. Uh, we kept it as low as we could. It was, it was for $99, For a, you get 12 videos a month for a year, that's 144 videos that can be downloaded immediately. And then we also offered a uh, subscription where you can uh, just purchase some uh, monthly for $12.95. And uh, I've had some people say, well, I don't know, you making money off this. Well, it's not that I'm making money off this. The deal is I'm going to take this money uh, that we are generating and, and bring awareness. That's what we're going to do. It's cost mm-hmm. us almost $6,000 to put this thing together so far, so I've got some bills to take care of. But after that, um, I've said all along I'm going to help people. Uh, we're going to do the best we can to help people individually. I'm not... Uh, I'm just not the type of person to to sit down and donate or write a check to some organization for five thousand dollars when when I know there's a lot of people that you could actually change their lives um, personally if you know you know what I'm trying to say. Mhm.
1: Yep. Yep. Definitely. Now um, you were working on a song too. What's the status of that now? Can you share anything on that or? Does that still I think
0: work at all? You might have EFD or something because uh, a good friend of mine, Dan Mitchell, he's a singer, songwriter, producer from Nashville, Tennessee. We we grew it up together and uh, went to school together. We used to play music together. Matter of fact, well, Dan went on to bigger and better things in Nashville, and I got married way back in the early '70s. And I contacted Dan about six months ago, and he's been. He knew about my uh, disease, at this old, early onset Alzheimer's. So I asked him if he'd be interested in uh, working with me and writing a song about this. I had some things in mind, and he told me he uh, he'd been thinking about that for a couple months, but he just didn't know how to uh, approach me with it. And I said, "Oh, don't be ridiculous." So we got together, and what uh, Dan did, he took a lot of my sayings that I that I post on Memory People and. And a lot of the stories and things like that, and uh, he put them into uh, he put music to them, and uh, it was just the final cut was just done uh, last Friday, so it'll be remastered one day this week, and we have an uncut version, or uh, not the final cut version, on uh, iTunes now. I wasn't going to put that on iTunes because it wasn't finished, but everybody heard it and they just loved it. So I thought, well, okay, I'll go ahead and post it. So we did that, and it's turned out wonderful. But the uh, final version, remastered and with the backup singers and all that stuff, will be uh, should be released to me probably by, I'm hoping, by Friday. And then we'll have to go through another process of uh, putting it on iTunes once again. The
1: uh, Uh-huh. Any-
0: was is, is going to be turned into awareness. So I'm just I'm real excited about that. It's a it's a it's a great song. It's a sad song. A lot of people's told me that, and I said, well, it's a sad disease, you know, and yep. it it just tells a story.
1: Yep, yep. I mean, and how many sad songs are there? <laughs> you know, it's kind of well, like
0: well, you know, exactly.
1: all songs <laughs> are attached to some kind of emotion, one way yeah. or the other. And um, happy or sad, and and that's kind of what gets written about. Um, you know, it's those well, critical things about, in our
0: life. When I thought about doing a song about this disease and about my struggles with it and everybody else's struggles, it, uh, Led Zeppelin didn't pop into my mind, so we we kind of went with a ballad type thing, and and that worked out fine.
1: Oh, good, good, good. Well, you'll have to you'll have to keep us posted here at Alzheimer's Speaks Radio on that as well. And it was just such a pleasure to have you on the the show with us again today. And for those of you that have not checked out Memory People on Facebook, again, I highly encourage that you do that. Um, You know, I mention this at every show. Um, What a wonderful support group that is for people with early memory loss, family members, as well as professional uh, caregivers, and and people who just want to learn more about the disease and advocate for it. Um, There are so many different subgroups from prayer chains to recipe swaps to they have game nights. um, And then there is, you know, just all the everyday, um, day in, day out dealings of coping with this disease and learning how to live with it and the honest sharing. There's no pitching. There's no selling. It really is just a an honest-to-goodness network support group online where you will meet people all around the world. So if some night you aren't able to sleep at 3 in the morning, you know, it's not 3 in the morning over in Europe, and you're going to get somebody online who's willing to chat with you and who understands what it is you're going through. So it's, it's an incredible thing that you have developed, Rick. And again, I can't thank you enough for for all that you are, are doing to um, raise awareness and change, you know, shift our, our dementia care culture around the world. you um a pretty, pretty amazing guy there. So thank you so much for being on the show. How do people reach you, Rick? you want to give them um,
0: an email well, uh- after us or... To, uh, to get on Memory People is very simple. If you have a Facebook account, you just type in Memory People in the search engine of Facebook, and uh, that will take you to our uh, join site where you just click join. You'd like to join Memory People, and it's, it's very simple. And then my uh, email address is phelps, my last name, P-H-E-L-P-S, 2645 at gmail.com. And uh, I wanted I wanted to say, Lori, when when did you say that uh, Dr. Taylor was going to be your your guest? I
1: um, Richard now. and Laura are going to be on February seventh, and that'll be um, three p.m. Eastern, two p.m. Central, one p.m. Mountain Time, and noon uh, Pacific Time. It's amazing, and I I can't even write down all the times around the world anymore but with <laughs> with our audience span. But um, so it'll be an afternoon show. Uh, with them and I'm very excited to hear what all they're they're up to and doing. Richard, uh for people who have not gotten his newsletter, it's pretty incredible and he's uh extremely opinionated um in terms of what he wants to see as far as changes. Uh just like Rick is. Um they're giving a strong voice and they're they're not gonna be shut out and I, I, I just think it's amazing. So that'll be February seventh when when they're on the show.
0: I'm looking forward to that show also, uh, Lori, because I've communicated with uh, Richard many times through emails and and uh, messages and things, but I've never got to actually speak to him. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that show with you. And I appreciate uh, the show you had today. It's very informative, and I'm glad I got to take part in it. Well,
1: good, good. Other shows that we've got coming up is on February. Third, um, this will be a morning show. I'm Going to have Barry Greenberg on, who is with the Toronto Dementia Research and Alliance, um, and he's just kind of an incredible guy with a wonderful story and a passion for the disease. And then Chris Win, um, with the film, the dementia film called uh, "Forgetful, Not Forgotten," is going to be on, and that is a story about his dad and and um you know what it was like for their family and it's very well done and he's working on another new project. Then again on the seventh we'll have Dr. Richard Taylor and Laura Bromley on the I Will or I can I can, I will program. And on February sixteenth, Carrie Lusick, the author of a Baker's Dozen Life Less Life Lessons about her journey with her mother's Alzheimer's disease. And then we are going to have March 9th, um, Catherine Pears and Mary Hogan, and they are going to talk about dementia and the intellectually disabled, which is really a growing um, need out there, and so that will be, uh, again, another very interesting show, and then later in March, we're going to be talking about adult daycare and um, does it really enrich lives, so we have lots of fun shows uh, coming up in Many others that I'm speaking with, I I am very interested, though, in having some more people on with uh, early memory loss. So if you happen to be one of those that are ready to share your story, I would love to talk to you and get a time to have you come on the show. Um, Again, it's just like talking on the phone. That's all we're doing. It's very casual. There's no right or wrong, no judgment. It's just about raising awareness. So I look forward to having great conversations of learning and laughter as we maneuver this roller coaster called dementia. As always, I want to remind you to focus on the three simple things that your memory chip teaches us, and that is, are they safe, are they happy, are they pain-free? And you can get your memory chip plus a lot of good information on my resource website, all at alzheimerspeaks.com. Thank you again for listening, And have a blessed day as you think ahead to go ahead. Talk soon. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show.